3: Welcome everyone to Podcast Unlocked, episode 569. I am your host, Stella Chung. Today, subbing in for Ryan McCaffrey because he's really busy right now. Uh, joining me as usual is Destin Legary.
0: Bam, like <laughs> super happy to be joining
2: us today. Just exuberance <laughs> of joy.
3: Yeah, and then we have Gary Whitta.
2: Hello, hello, thanks for having me.
3: Yeah, so excited to have you on. I think this is your first time here, so I'm really excited to have you on.
2: Yeah, I don't know how desperate you had to be to call me. I imagine I was pretty far down the list, but always available at short notice. So happy to help.
3: Oh, my goodness. No, not at all. And Paris, I think this is your I don't know what second, third. You've been on before.
1: Yeah, I've been on a few times. I, I it's okay. been a while. I think it's, it's been over a year since I've been on. But but glad to be back.
3: Yeah, I honestly, I figured you and Gary would be the perfect combination of chaos. in this episode. So I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right so a few things first before we dive into the topics today which we have a lot to talk about uh i want to plug ign.com rewards we are Going to be pushing that because it is live now, which is really exciting. It's free for everyone. There's 20 plus perks and discounts that gamers will actually care about. Uh, discounts on Dream Gear, Power A, Humble Bundle, the IDN store. So, and you can also have an opportunity to win one of five IGN DX Racer Gaming Chairs, which is pretty cool. I don't even have one of those. So, yeah, you should check it out. It is free for everyone again, and it's just an IGN.com slash rewards. So that is what you should just definitely check out. But without further ado let's get into our first topic which is a pretty big one that i know a lot of people have been talking about netflix is partnering with the coalition to develop a gears of war movie alongside an adult animated series so just to give people a little bit more background netflix tweeted on its official account Gears of War was released 16 years ago today, and to mark the occasion, Netflix has partnered with The Coalition to adapt the Gears of War video game saga into a live action feature film followed by an adult animated series with the potential for more stories to follow. So I also want to point out that the series creator Cliff Blazinski um, responded by tweeting oh shit.
0: (laughs) So Destin, how do you feel about this? I'm wondering if it's going to translate really well to to cinema. I suppose so. Mm-hmm. Like the games have a pretty pretty good story, and I can imagine Dave Bautista gearing up and rocking that role. But uh, yeah, sort of lukewarm on it. If I'm being honest, I'm a little surprised. Uh, yeah, that's that's the long and the short of my reaction to it.
3: Okay, and Gary, you are the writer of Rogue One, so you have some history with writing scripts. <laughs> um, how do you feel about this? How, what do you feel like the process is gonna be for from taking Gears of War from a video game adaptation to a uh, full-on movie and also animated series?
2: Yeah, so as you uh, as you point out, screenwriting is my is my day job these days. Video games are kind of more of a hobby. It's always been my my passion, but I don't work professionally in video games anymore. I'm a full time screenwriter these days and have been for many years. And in fact, my um, my association uh, with this goes goes back to not just being generally a screenwriter and being interested in this world, but I actually have some uh, history with this specific project. Back in 2013, I remember pitching a version of Gears of War. Uh, to scott stuber back in the day. scott stuber used to be head of universal pictures and back in 2013 i think he had his own production company with a first look deal at universal and he was interested in making a gears of war movie back then i remember pitching him on a particular take that i had obviously nothing ever came together i think they've tried many many times to put this movie together scott stuber of course now runs netflix which is where this movie is set up so i get the impression that he's probably always been a believer in this and has been looking for one way to make it or another and now now at netflix he's he's finally found a way to to move it forward we don't know the problem is we don't know anything yet right we don't know who's writing it we don't know who's directing it we don't know anything about like the creative approach only all we have to really go on is the gears of what property itself and is this is this good fodder for a for a movie and i i, I think it does have uh, the potential to be so it's got you know great mythology and lore, you know cool characters i think it's got as much potential as any other uh, video game adaptation out there but until we know who's actually going to be doing it who's directing who's writing uh what's the what's the creative team what's the creative approach it's kind of hard to to form too much of an opinion
3: yeah and i forgot about the gears of war movie that was stuck in development for about 15 years which is what you were kind of alluding to can we hear what your pitch was for the gears of war
2: project um i i mean you're going back almost 10 years i just remember very vaguely what i my, my point was like these movies these big hollywood adaptations of like big video games and stuff like that i think often get out of control because there's always a a, a a tendency to want to make like the biggest version possible and certainly gears of war you know which has all this kind of epic scale action suggests that oh yeah this has got to be like a 200 million dollar movie i think though that, that that's where a lot of these these movies get in trouble as soon as you as soon as you start spending crazy money you get into trouble creatively because you know there's there's a basic rule of hollywood the more money you spend on a project the less the more risk averse you become and the more you have to kind of feel like you've got to do a paint by numbers kind of formulaic approach and it's kind of hard to do something kind of edgy or risk-taking gears of war i think lends itself you know to more of an r-rated experience i think what i was pitching back in the day was like a smaller movie spend less money do it for 50 60 million uh, I think my version of it was like mostly underground. It was more, more kind of James Cameron aliens kind of vibe than like epic kind of citywide cities, you know, kind of planetary scale destruction. I was trying to find a way to, to kind of make contain it and make it um, for a number, for a budget that was small enough that you could actually do some cool stuff, make it R-rated, make it really gory, make it something like The Descent, like a cool kind of underground horror movie or a starship trooper style bug hunt like i think that's that's the way i would still want to do it i hope they don't go out of control and want to do like this crazy insane version of it because again just in my own experience of working with hollywood the more the the, the higher the budget the 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 narrower the needle is that you have to thread creatively because people start getting nervous about anything that's too you know risk-taking or you know violent or gory or you know that might not be like fully four quadrant i think gears of war is you know by its nature really violent really aggressive really gory obviously very macho i do think there's there's cool characters in the story to tell but like i would want to stay i would want to try and stay true to those versions um of the uh of the story I, 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 the short version is i think there's a smaller Gears of War movie that you can make that would be really, really cool and more likely to stay true to the source material than, like, you know, the full kind of $200 million Hollywood blowout that you might expect from a project like this.
0: Gary, Gary, can I actually can I ask you, what do you think happened with the Halo TV series? Because, in my opinion, there's some pretty good stuff in there in terms of, like, the, the combat scenes and whatever. But there's also some stuff that just seems really odd, like the romantic interest, which seems out of character for Master Chief. Do you think that studio interference, like how does that stuff end up in a in a Halo story?
2: It's hard to say. I mean, I haven't seen the show. My TV backlog is is an embarrassment. Like I'm so far behind on television right now, so like I I can't give you my opinion on whether or not I think the Halo TV show is good or bad because I haven't seen it. Um, I mean, I I did follow a lot of the the, the discourse, you know, because on social media it's impossible. I feel like I have seen it with you know the amount of conversation <laughs> that that surrounds like big you know shows like this. Um, I don't know. I thought it was. I, 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 I still feel like like taking the helmet off was was a weird choice. I don't know. I kind of feel like at some point or another, it, it had to come off. I I, I remember I actually pitched on a, on a different version of a Halo show many, 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 many years ago. And my argument was, like, don't center it around Master Chief because it's really, really hard to build a show around a character that is essentially is kind of a cipher. I don't think there's much of a character there in Master Chief, to be quite honest with you. And I worked on Halo. I was a story consultant on on um, Halo Five, and so I and I remember a lot of my conversations was like, I just don't think Master Chief is the most interesting character because he's stuck behind a mask. He can't emote. There's very little. You, there's very little you can do with him. Like, even in the Mandalorian and you know other things where the characters typically wear a helmet or their face is obscured, the helmet you know almost immediately comes off. And with Halo, they, they didn't wait around at all. It was like let's just let's just get to it. Again, yeah, having but- not seen the show, I can't tell you like how well that I feel like that creatively paid off i just i just think that might have been a, a, a different way to solve that problem
0: yeah bungie's design intentions for chief was to be a cipher so you're right on the money there
2: yeah i mean that goes all the way back to Stan Lee and spider-man so you know the whole idea of like obscuring spider-man's face behind the mask was that any kid reading the comics could imagine that they were the one behind the mask and that because you know even to the even you know in the current day with spider-verse you know anyone can wear the mask is is uh, is kind of the message it's 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 tough though when you've got these characters that um, are very stoic that don't you know, talk very much. you just gonna grunt and have the occasional one-liner. It's hard to build a character out of, uh, out of something like that. So again, at some point I'll get around to the show and I'll have a better opinion for me. It's, it's a, it's a t- Master Chief's a tough character to build a narrative show around, I think.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I think especially when you have all these games that did build his character and then you open up a different cinematic universe for him. But uh, Paris, how do you feel about Gears of War coming to Netflix, like Netflix specifically?
1: I'm, I'm more excited for the animated series because I think there's a lot more potential there. Kind of what Gary was alluding to before, just with Hollywood budgets and, and live action, just typically getting out of control. And obviously the conversation that we just brought in with Halo gives me a little, little pause on that as well. But I think the animated series is the one where I feel like they'll have more creative freedom to really dive into what make, makes Gears of War, Gears of War, right? Not, not to mention, um, there's that opportunity of bringing back a lot of the, uh, the voice cast. I mean, even more specifically, John DiMaggio could come back and, and voice Marcus Phoenix, um, on the live action side. I mean, you know, everyone's saying Dave Batista he just seems like that would just be a logical person to put in as, as Marcus. My thing overall, no matter what they do with the, the actual standalone live action movie or the animated series, I think a lot of people forget the original Gears of War was more of a horror game than anything right? It was kind of this, this near future on another planet, but it kind of leaned into more of the horror elements. And I actually thought that's kind of where they were going. Um, when, when we got to gears four, but they obviously went back to, to the model that we we've seen with, you know, that they started with gears two and three and beyond that. So I would like to see them do more of a, a horror type series, kind of have the locus as more of these, they're always a threat there's someone that you're always afraid of and then here comes the cogs coming in to to save the day but make it more of like i said a horror type of game or a horror type of series i should say versus uh you know what we've seen with with, with the games over the last decade or so
0: Paris, as a as a destiny fan i have to ask are you more interested in seeing whatever they do with destiny or more interested in seeing what they do with gears I'm more
1: interested with Destiny,
2: yeah, <laughs> because I'm just, I'm
1: just a bigger fan of yeah. Destiny at this point. But I, I enjoy Gears. I enjoy the Gears series. I, I think Five left it off in a good place. I think where they did with Hive Busters, which I think is very underrated. I don't think enough people have played Hive Busters. I kind of like that format the Coalition was going with it. So even if they go that direction, you know, with, with the animated series or or the um, or the live action, I think I'd be okay with it
3: you think we'll get this before Gear 6, Destin?
0: Oh. No. I don't think so. Well, oh. Coalition is working on something new. They worked on the Matrix thing. They're constantly developing their technology. I feel like Gear 6 would come before this. Maybe they try and time it around the same time, just so they pull a Last of Us, because the Last of Us HBO series is coming, they just did the Last of Us Part 1 to tie those releases together and i think that's smart in terms of marketing and uh just general interest because you get that cross cross pollination for lack of a better term of uh interest from people who are into the the cinema side of things versus the game side of things and you know then the gamer fans watch the television show and the television fans maybe check out the game so
3: okay yeah, uh, Paris. You talked about the animated show being more interesting to you. Did you watch the Cyberpunk uh, Edge Runners?
1: Oh yes, and that's exactly why I, yeah. I brought that up because <laughs> I thought with uh, Studio Trigger did along with CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I mean, look at the uptick with, with Cyberpunk 2077 right now with player engagement, um, and it's clearly held up beyond just the debut of Edge Runners. That it really got people back into the game. So actually, going into Destin's point, I think. I think what would, would make sense is they probably do that live action movie, have that come out around the same time as whatever gear six is going to be. And then after gear six comes out, that's when you lean into the animated series to kind of keep, keep the engagement going. And you're going to bring in that television audience to come in to play the game and vice versa. So, so, so yeah, that's edge runners is absolutely why I'm, I'm more excited about the animated series. Because again, I thought they were able to do more than you would ever see in a live action cyberpunk movie or series or whatever the case because animation just allows you know you have complete creative freedom and your imagination can go wild in what you can do
3: yeah i loved edge runners and it it actually did bring me back to cyberpunk so i was part of that wave that came back uh but also i want to point out castlevania had a really good adaptation to Mm -hmm. story too which was incredible i just recently watched it and i don't know what took me so long but it is so good and the original castlevania didn't really have that much story either so um Gary, how would you write the animated series if you could? I, I keep going back to your like your writing skills, but I mean,
2: <laughs> it's it. I mean, it's 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 a good question. I think you know. I was just thinking as you guys were talking about how it's it's. I don't know if it's if if there's any kind of uh, causation here at all, but it is interesting how some of the more um, successful or or well received uh, video game adaptations of recent years have been animated, right? You just you just mentioned uh, Castlevania um we were also just talking about you know cyberpunk edge runners which is very well received and of course you know league of legends arcane was tremendously well received as well and all, and all three of those shows are at netflix so netflix may be um maybe looking at animated as as the way to go with a lot of these so, you know depending on the style of animation sometimes it's cheaper than live action so it goes back to that point about you know keeping things um you know keeping the budget under control so you don't you don't start to feel too you know too queasy about the choices you're making uh creatively um it 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 really depends i don't think i haven't you know i've written for live action and and for animation and there are some differences i don't think it necessarily um uh, uh Changes the 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 overall creative approach. I I go back to my all time favorite part of the Gears of War franchise, which is that level in Gears of War two, where you're inside the guts of the giant alien, and you have to kind of cut chainsaw your way out from the inside, cutting through all the the giant alien intestines and stuff like that. Something like that just kind of seems like it might be like if you want to do like really really crazy stuff like that, might be better suited for animation uh, than live action. I just think your suspension of disbelief is goes a little bit farther out um when you're dealing with um animation so there there might be a better opportunity there clearly they're going to try both and it remains to be seen if they're two separate projects or if the idea is that the live action show is gonna is gonna kind of serve as almost like a a, a kind of a pilot episode or a a feature length pilot episode for what is then the the animated series i'm not sure again it's too soon to know what their plans are but i think you know they're going to try a bit of both um but i think if i had to make a guess like where like where is the the better opportunity again just based on what we've this we've seen the success that netflix has had lately with castlevania with cyberpunk um and with arcane um you know historically that would suggest that the better opportunity might be in animation
3: yeah and you mentioned animation styles and i'm thinking i don't know what style i would want it in because we got the anime style for both castlevania and edge runners and i was i was like well you know, something like the uh, Love, Death, and Robots style, where it's different each time, would be kind of cool. But I know that would be a lot more work. But it would be really cool to see different artists take on the world of Gears. So, I don't know. I, I think it would be very fun to ponder. Um, I don't know. Paris, what what animation style would you prefer?
1: Ah, oh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it. I almost feel it's cliche that I'm saying it right now. But... I, I really like the, the studio trigger style that that we just saw with Edge Runners. I, w- I would like to see some, something like that, but but I think Castlevania style works as well.
3: Yeah, you're able to get pretty gory with those too. Yeah. I mean, Edge Runners was really gory. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I
2: I, I I I just to kind of touch on that one last time. It's uh, I don't think anime is appropriate because I just I just don't think there's anything like in the gears of war DNA that suggests that kind of you know creative or um aesthetic influence i think they're probably going to go to going to go and try and do something like a little more high-end i don't but i don't think it's i also don't think it's going to be just like you know a two-hour you know, or, or an animated show that just looks like all the gears of war cinematics you know, kind of high-end photorealistic blender animation i don't think it's going to be that either the reason why I, m- I mentioned arcane a couple of times and i come back to it is i w- w- where i think they did really really well is it was obviously high-end animation, but they also gave it its own unique style. Like you look at that arcane, the, the character design and the animation, it's it's beautiful, it's high-end, it's cinema quality, but it's also clearly their own thing. Like it's not Pixar or Disney or some other style that they're borrowing. They came up with their own unique aesthetic. And I'd like to see Gears, if they're gonna do this animated show, come up, we'd come up with a style that is uniquely theirs.
1: Well, but I, I, I do almost wonder, I apologize, Destin, but I do almost wonder, could the more, like like making these characters larger than life right you know the the cog so you kind of overemphasize that they are these big hulking (laughs) muscular dudes out there that are taking on the locust um would that work better but again i don't think there's a right or wrong answer until until you actually see it in practice but i guess that's what i'm envisioning when when i think of an animated gear series like they, they really are gonna lean into just making this more less realistic and just. More fantasy, so to speak, I, I guess, if that's the right word.
0: I, I do think the show will be more like arcane, but I'm also just thinking I wonder when we'll hit the point when, like, Unreal Engine 5 will start to be utilized to make a product like that. Because if you take away the video game restrictions that animation would have, you can make a very stunning Gears television show in that engine, and the coalition is known for being like the best in the business in terms of how they utilize unreal engine five or at least one of the best in the business so i would be curious if they went that route i don't think they will but um yeah i mean unreal is very powerful
3: okay so Dusty, you're kind of hoping you're you're kind of on a gary's side then
0: um well gary said they would do something that's their own i believe okay
2: I mean, I, I hope they would do that. The pro- the problem with that kind of high-end Blender animation is why people say, why hasn't Blizzard just made its own, you know, two-hour, you know, Warcraft movie that's as good as those cinematics? The answer to that is generally because it's extremely, extremely expensive. <laughs> just making like a five-minute cinematic costs a fortune and takes a really long time to blow that out, you know, to like a two-hour movie, or in the case of a TV show, maybe, you know, 10, 20 hours of, of animation. It's extremely expensive and extremely time-consuming. A lot of the reason why you often see these like Castlevania and Edgerunners are done in that kind of, anime style is you know not not to denigrate it at all but it's 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 often kind of cheaper and quicker to produce that kind of animation than it is the really you know the very kind of high end you know what you think of as like the pixar level um stuff all or the or stuff that you see at the very very high end of, of game animation um it's it's entirely possible that the coalition would say hey look we we have all these assets in in ue5 and there's a way to kind of repurpose this and and put it and 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 have that you know kind of inform the look of the show um again i am not technically minded enough to know like how viable that is but again i would much much prefer that the show and the film have their own visual identity than just feel like oh here's like a two-hour cinematic i i don't think that's what anybody really wants to see
0: yeah i, I, I agree i just think it would be interesting to see ue5 utilized in that manner because nobody's done that
3: Yeah, I know. I just realized we spent so long talking about this, but that's because like there's just so much to talk about. This could go in so many different directions, but we have no idea until more details get announced about the project. So we'll just have to wait for that. Um, But before we move on to our next topic, you're probably all aware of the Callista Protocol, the survival horror game coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC platforms December 2nd. And if you wanna delve into this universe early, you should check out Helix Station. It's a Callista Protocol narrative companion podcast that stars Gwendolyn Christie and Michael Ironside. IGN is publishing and distributing Helix Station in partnership with Striking Distance Studios. And we've got a clip from the first episode. Check it out.
1: Yeah, you know You're right You probably would get off on some technicality, wouldn't you?
0: Percy, just slap the cuffs on him and get out of there
3: Sorry,
1: Kane Bad connection down here, catching a little interference
0: Percy, don't even think about it
1: Gotta go
2: (sighs) What are you gonna do, kill me? Keys I I can pay triple whatever you'll get for my bounty Why don't we talk it through over a warm meal
1: I'm not hungry They are No No, no,
2: please Please, please, don't
1: Please don't Wake up It's dinner time Don't, I'll go Take me, take me in, please Listen to me, bitch! Some doors should never be opened. Please! And some doors should never be closed. You're right. I do like having to see you. No! No! Please! Get away from me! Get away from me! Go on now, Krober! Smile for the camera, you goddamn pig!
3: a sample of episode one from helix station a callister protocol companion podcast leading up to the release of the game on december 2nd the first two episodes of helix station are available now and you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. so for the second uh topic i actually want to skip ahead to you um the halo infinite winner update i know destiny you touched on uh whether or not paris was more interested in destiny or halo but you know it's fine we're going to talk about halo now <laughs> So um, the winner update just dropped, and there's a new 30-tier battle pass being included with the arrival of the winner update, which is great. And uh, it is free for everyone who plays, so they can just come in and play and unlock that. Um, so I actually also got to interview the 343 devs. Was it yesterday? I don't know. It's been, it's been a really long week already. Monday. <laughs> it was a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really nice, So we got to talk about the new update. Um, They have a new map Argyle and Detachment that was all built in Forge and Forge's beta is also coming in the winter update as well. There's a new game mode called Covert 1 Flag where uh, it's kind of like capture the flag but one team gets uh, camo, active camo and you get to utilize that to try and steal the flag, um, which is really interesting. So there are two different sides, one side is defending, one side is attacking. And um, I actually have not had time to check this out yet, but I'm actually very curious to see how competitive this can get. And they also bring in online co-op for campaign, which is really interesting. And Destin, I want to go to you about this because I know you had a lot of questions for the devs that hopefully I helped answer.
0: <laughs> well, the, the two main things from the live stream that you did, and, and really good job on that, by the way, uh, were that they actually addressed the couch co-op glitch that people were getting into and, and commented on it. And basically, what they said was that the amount of work that it would take to get from eighty to one hundred percent would just uh, be a huge undertaking, and it would mean delaying a ton of other features. So uh, they didn't say it's like gone forever, but they gave a little bit more insight into why that decision was made, and that was really appreciated by the community. So that was that was awesome. They also let us know that it takes about five months to make a brand new map in. Forge for them. And I have to imagine that's because they're uh, developing sightlines, making sure that it has a good flow, play testing it, and then eventually launching it. Um, community members are in there now with Forge. I have actually played a little bit of the Winter Update. And unfortunately my take on it is that it's largely Halo still. It's still Halo Infinite. It still doesn't quite have that hook that's going to get people continually coming back forge is very cool a lot of people are experimenting with it messing around but i think for the really good stuff to come out of forge that's going to take uh a few months that's not going to be like available immediately at launch or anything like that that's that's going to take time so um it's good it's interesting we definitely appreciate 343 coming on and, and discussing the that is des- the design aspects of it but yeah i it's it's a smaller update and I wouldn't I wouldn't expect it to be game changing for for uh people hoping that like this would save Halo Infinite or anything like that. I say that in quotes because I actually really like the campaign. We're talking about multiplayer more specifically.
3: Okay. Yeah. Gary, have you been able to play the uh campaign for Halo Infinite yet?
2: Yeah, so I played um my way through I never got around to finishing, but I played a bunch of the the campaign and I was mostly when it first came out, I was mostly a big time Multiplayer player, historically with, with the with the Halo games, I had never really gotten into multiplayer uh, that much. I'm kind of a PC snob about first-person shooters and generally tend to kind of stay on the PC side. Um, but I got so sucked into Halo, and we all remember right, when it first launched, it was like, oh my God, it's actually really good. And then it had yeah. all the fundamentals right, right? The gunplay was really good, the level designs. It was just fun to play, like really good meaty weapon feedback, sound design. Like it was just a blast to play. I was playing it, I was staying up late playing it, I was getting up early in the morning, to play it like it's one of those one of those games that when you're not playing it you're thinking about when you can next play it halo infinite really really had its claws into me and then i had the same experience that many many other people had. where you just kind of hit a wall like you know i'm kind of tired of the same maps popping in the rotation mm-hmm. kind of tired of the of the same you know uh, game uh modes and you started to kind of hit a wall very quickly when you realize the fundamentals are great there just wasn't a lot of depth in the content and we were all kind of starting to get frustrated about um you know just the lack of variety and there were all those issues about the battle pass and slow progression and crappy rewards and stuff like that and i just one day i just like done with halo and that, that my worry is i think they know that i think they've seen their player base uh drop off of a, 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 a drop off a little bit and there's a lot of players like me like, like me that just went Yeah, oh, you know what there's there's not enough here and the problem is once you walk away it can be hard to, to get people back so you know they've obviously uh they obviously already did season two now they got a winner update you know it's a question of is can they catch up enough because after a great launch i think they really did fall behind in the narrative started to shift a little bit and there's been a lot more negativity around um halo infinite in the in the months since um its initial launch and i think i i do i actually disagree with dustin a little bit i think if anything is going to save it i think it is going to be forge um i think there's obviously tremendous potential there. i think anytime you add any kind of construction set you you really do you kind of breathe new life into a game, as long as it's properly supported, I think there is the potential for people to come up with you know some amazing, crazy stuff as as has been in, in, in the case with you know, you know Halo Forge um in the past. It also maybe this is maybe cynical, but it also maybe like takes some of the some of the burden off the developers. They're kind of like. Well, like, you can make your own levels now like go nuts like we, yeah. you don't have to wait for us to, to build the next level although hopefully they will continue to do that and you know and, and bring out new official maps and levels and game modes and stuff like that but at least now people can amuse themselves coming up with their own maps their own ideas and i think i, I think if forge is is properly implemented and as and, and as properly executed as as i believe it can be that i think has the potential to 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 breathe a lot of, a, a lot of new life because i know that people love making those forge maps and they love you know just uh, dis- discovering them i'll be very interested to see what kind of system is in place for players to kind of dis- uh, to discover New, I don't know how this works historically with Forge in the past, but I, I would like to be able to go in there and see what's trending, see what people are playing, you know, to get I think things are getting upvoted or downvoted, like what are the popular maps? What are the hot maps? Like what, you know, what's worth my time and attention? I don't want to just have to go through a massive library because you know what it's like, the truth is when the community creates content, most of it is trash. That's just the reality. Like, they're just, It's just bad. And I think it does actually demonstrate how, how difficult it is to make a good, level when you let anyone drift well you try it's actually really hard to make a good level that's well balanced and fun to play and has a lot of longevity but the cream will always float to the top right there will be some really great ideas out there that even the official developers might not have thought of the question is how well can 343 curate that make sure that those that those really um intriguing and and interesting ideas are visible and 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 we're seeing the best that that, you know when people make really cool stuff with forge i want to make sure that other players can discover it.
0: Yeah, the yeah. the the main thing that I said actually was that I think it's going to take more time for Forge because on day 1, day 2, everything's broken and it's really hard to find the maps. So like those it's Forge beta right now and those things need to be addressed before Forge can really take off in the way that you imagine it would, Gary. And like part of the reason I loved Halo 3 so much was because of how they handled the the Forge systems then. <laughs> so potentially uh, in the long run it will help Halo, but because of that player bleed and just lack of lack of players generally I think they have a big uphill battle like something really amazing will have to come off Forge for people to like reinstall it and hop in and play it
3: Yeah, I mean, so Forge does have the Halo Infinite content browser. It will have that, um, which lets players upload to you Forge projects for others to download and use. And it also includes a developer curated recommended tab and tabs for more the popular modes, maps and prefabs created by the community. So there is going to be a search function. Um, Harris, is are you more interested in Forge, campaign co-op, the new multiplayer mode?
1: I'm I'm more interested in Forge and okay. how can I top what Gary said? Gary basically said <laughs> everything that I was going to say, but I, I would add on to that. And and Destin is correct as well in the fact that it's it's time. Like th- this is day one, early days of them rolling out this Forge beta. Discoverability is going to be one of the huge aspects of this, but it will take time. And part of the, the part of that is what is three four three going to do to enable that 1% of of the top creators that aren't making the trash maps, that are making these quality maps that you wanna play and you wanna engage with. But maybe maybe they're making this great map and they come up with this great idea can three, four, Will 343 have the ability to kind of jump in with that creator and kind of push it over the finish line, right? To really get it to that polished quality product that then they're going to want to promote through their discoverability tools. You know, obviously the, the in-game browser that you have, you know, maybe there's, you know, on Halo Waypoints showing off on social media, things like that, to, to the point that Destin was talking about. The biggest problem that Halo Infinite has is a lack of content. It the people have left. What are you going to do to get them back? Forge, I think, is going to be that opportunity to start getting more maps into the rotation, getting more modes into the rotation that are going to interest people that they're going to want to come back. They're going to want to engage with it and start playing it. But part of that is being patient because it's going to take time to get to that point. And then when you do get to that point, making sure that the community is aware that these things even exist. And I don't think... The in game browser alone is going to be enough because how many people are going to download Halo Infinite and actually go into that browser to know that the stuff is there? So, you know, this is a great first step of what I consider a multi step process for 343 to kind of reinvigorate this game and get it back to where it is, where it needs to be. I think Forge is the crown jewel of that. But I am excited for uh, campaign co-op because, you know, I'm going to go play with my buddies. We'll play on Legendary. We'll do a bunch of dumb things together and have fun playing it because I really enjoy the campaign solo. So and even when they did the beta uh, co-op, that was pretty fun as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And then obviously just the overall multiplayer. Um, I just hope that 343 continues to curate with with different modes and bring more interesting things to the table that are going to want to get more people to play.
3: Yeah, so In terms of the multi-tiered process, they also are reworking the um, match XP process and the progression, which uh, the match XP beta system revolves around rewarding players for completing matches, uh, a bigger bonus for winning the matches, playing the objective and such. So that was one of the bigger uh, complaints that I had with playing multiplayer, and I would probably be playing this update for campaign co-op and maybe checking out Forge because I'm absolutely clueless when it comes to building stuff in Forge. Yeah, me <laughs> so <too. laughs> yeah. I'm probably just gonna be back to play campaign with my friend and like, you know, mess around. Um, but yeah, I actually did ask in the interview uh if XP would be rewarded be rewarded to players who play matches in Forge or something. Uh because, you know, that is still time that players play in a match. And uh they said no, not yet, but that is something that they do want to implement in the future. So um hopefully that does get added to because if Forge is gonna be as Big of a key in bringing players back to Halo. I feel like that's going to be something that players will probably want to look at. So.
2: I, I that's, think- that, that's historically a big issue with uh, multiplayer games and shooter games that let people create their own maps is there's always an issue uh, where if you can generate XP through um, a homebrew map, there's always a, 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 a surge of maps that are basically Cheap, just XP yeah. farms, right? Where people yeah. can just like, the, the map is just designed for you to just easily grind <laughs> XP all day. So they have to keep an eye on that. Going back to the bigger issue, but Paris mentioned something that made me realize, here's why it's hard to get me back as a, as a Halo Infinite player. I uninstalled the game. When I mm-hmm. when I just when I decided that I was done with Halo for the time being, I mean, it's sitting there, it's it's sat there on my Xbox tab for a long time. and I'm thinking, man, that thing's taking up a lot of space, and I can't see myself going back to it anytime soon. Hard drive space is is the new economy, right? For gamers, right? It, 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 yeah. We're running out of hard drive space all the time. Expansion storage um is expensive. Use the um, cloud, Gary. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll just, I just play over the cloud. I, I'm not convinced about that either. But you know what I mean? Like, the problem is if that, if, 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 there's no point having a thing sitting there taking up 20, 30 gigs when you know, it, it could be used by something I'm actually actively playing. And so once I've uninstalled it, it's that much harder to get me back. Like the, if anything's going to get me back, it's campaign co-op. As I mentioned before, I never finished the original campaign. Mm. But like, even mediocre games are so much fun when, in, in co-op mode. Like, co-op is such a fun multiplayer, It's a fun multiplier. And so if anything's going to get me back, it might be that. But, like, again, like even, though, even if I'm hearing great things about Forge and, you know, oh, no, you know, Halo Infinite's good again now, like, you should get back into it. I'm like, oh, I don't know. In reinstalling it's kind of a big hassle. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, the And also the longer you spend away from a game, this is the problem that they have is, like, the, the disenfranchised player base that are at least still playing, I think it's easy to win them back over because they'll log in tomorrow and go, oh, there's a bunch of cool stuff here now. Getting people like me to come back when I feel like I've walked away and the, the game's kind of in the rear view and there's always something new. You know, especially this time the holiday season there's like my there's so many other games that i want to get to convincing me and, every, and everything is an opportunity cost right time that i spend playing a game is time that i'm not spending playing 20 other games that could be more worthy of my time it's it's going to be a battle i think to get a lot to, to to get a lot of players to come back but all they can do is what they are doing right which is working as hard as they can to solve the issues which they have is it not enough content not enough variety
0: and yeah. And yeah, I think it'll take a while. If you look on Steam charts, like there's definitely a a large spike. It's one data point, but there is interest in the winter update. There is interest in Forge. And to sort of jump off what Paris said and what Gary's alluding to here, they need something bigger than Forge beta and campaign co-op to get people to reinstall that game. They need that campaign DLC that they've talked about, which I imagine is going to be winter 2023. So if this is the first thing that they're doing, the next updates cannot be a bunch of bare-bones updates all the way through 2023. It ha- they have to be substanti- substantial in order to keep that player base that they have now playing throughout the year. Because if it's just this, and then there's going to be another drop in the winter of 2023, it's just, it just feels like um, not enough, if, I, <clears> if I'm being uh, honest from a player perspective.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I and I also kind of feel like money should be no object in terms of whatever resources they have to. Paris and I have talked about this a lot uh, on our other Xbox show, the uh, the kind of funny Xcast, where you know we both talked about how like Xbox uh, uh, Halo is like too big to fail, right? Like it is mm-hmm. their absolute number one. It's their Mario, right? It is. It, it's it's you know, Master Chief was on was on the Series Xbox um, on the packaging for a reason because that is the one character, the one universe that you associate with. With Xbox more than any other, it was, it launched the the Xbox, and twenty years later, it's still considered the number one thing. So it is too big to fail. I think they made the right uh, choice um, in delaying it back when they did. It still has been an issue for them. They still didn't have enough content ready, and they, and they've been paying the price for that ever since. It just it feels like that initial honeymoon period when when they first dropped that multiplayer, and everyone was in love with it, and all the headlines were oh my god, Halo Infinite is like done what is so hard for other shooters to do. And remember like twenty forty two and all these other shooters that were kind of falling on their face, like Halo was was supreme people were absolutely loving it but that feels like forever ago well, since it's then a year, it's, just,
1: it's a year ago next week
2: yeah like the yeah. The, the, worm, the worm has turned big time and a year is a really long yeah. time in video mm-hmm. games and now the overall you know vibe is just kind of one of like general kind of dissatisfaction and you know talked to, we talked we talked before paris and i about like is halo even cool to like the current generation of, of gamers like do kids really care about halo or is it, it or is it becoming like you know the the cold play of video games, like something that like, kind of like dads are into, <laughs> it's, like super popular, but like just not. It's never going to be cool with kids when there are so many. There are so many other things um, out there. So they they do have an uphill struggle. But you know, this obviously Halo Infinite is not the end of the of, of the Halo franchise. It, it, it's, it's, it continues to be incredibly um economically important to to microsoft and to to xbox and so they have to find a way to right the ship and get people kind of to get the get the feel-good factor back around halo essentially not just for the life of this game but for like the next one and the next one after that like they when you know when inevitably there's another halo game you know a year or two from now whenever it may be they want people coming into that with a feeling of anticipation and excitement and that's going to be harder to do if there's still a bit of a bad taste in people's mouths lingering you know over the fact that halo infinite did not have the long tail that gamers hoped it would have
0: their trail their trailers for their updates also became a meme because like the first five of them were just people running at each other shooting guns <clears throat> and and people were like okay yeah we get it <laughs> yeah. like you have guns in multiplayer uh it is nice that there is something substantial here um uh for people like me that still have the game installed and still play once in a while. I have another few things to chase on the battle pass, but yeah, they, they need that hook for everybody else.
1: But I, I think Destin, that's kind of been the frustrating thing and it is crazy to think next week it, it, it'll be a year since the multiplayer came out. But, um, I think that's kind of been my frustration that we've talked about on, on our show. When you play it, it's fun. Yeah. Like I was playing last night. It's fun. I have fun. but there's not enough there to keep you wanting to consistently come back and keep playing. I mean, you know, like even this uh, free battle pass that they're giving us for the winter update, we're going to blow through this in no time. Now what, I, now we're yeah, going to do Now, do it now we have to wait until March, right? Until, mm-hmm. until season three. So hopefully by that time they can get on a, a regular cadence of content to, to keep people wanting to come back and play the game.
3: Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, I I started out really liking the game and loving the multiplayer and was so happy that there was something new for me to play. But um, I also ended up falling off of it. And now also Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is out, which is also uh, the fastest Call of Duty game to pass the um, $1 billion sold mark. So yeah, that also kind of has my attention currently because it's the next like hot thing and, you know, Call of Duty... The team deathmatch, like being able to get into matches in and out is so nice and it's really fast. So there's also that com- competition that they have too. So um, we're going to have to move on from this topic because we did talk about Halo a lot And I feel, like, I feel like it's been a lot of uh, criticisms, but it's, it's all right. It's, it's all very fair. Um, and I think I the from, <laughs> <laughs> from the interview that I did with the devs, it seems like they are very like in tune with like they understand it. But, you know, it's just how things are right now. So um, moving on, I want to touch on our last subject, which we have to get through kind of quickly. Publisher Take-Two Interactive has announced another milestone for Grand Theft Auto V with 170 million units sold, while Red Dead Redemption has hit the 70 million mark. So during Take-Two's quarterly earnings call, the company's investor presentation revealed sales sales numbers for both series. As a franchise, Grand Theft Auto has sold more than 385 million units, with 170 million of those attributed to GTA 5, So uh, Red Dead Redemption sales are up by another two million units since the publisher's last earnings call. Uh, the franchise, which includes both Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2 has sold 70 million units worldwide. So these are two of Rockstar's games that have just absolutely soared and in terms of uh, expectations. So Paris, were you a GTA 5 fan Red Dead Redemption 2, I don't know if you hold one over the other.
1: Can I say neither? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, more GTA 5. It, it's okay. crazy. I'm pretty sure I've, I've bought that game like three times <laughs> across multiple platforms. Okay. But yeah, GTA 5, it, that game just is the game that just keeps going. And obviously the online component. Um, I tried to get into Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. It just never 100% clicked for me but obviously I understand the big appeal of it and and it's, it's, it's rockstar. So to see those numbers come out of the financial reports, none of that shocked me at all. Matter of fact, even when Grand Theft Auto six comes out, five will still probably be selling. That's just how big of a a franchise that is.
3: Yeah, that's fair. I think I, played Red Dead Redemption 2's multiplayer more and really liked it because there's just so much to it. And also they had that time where they released it for free and also $5, which was really nice. Uh, So yeah, Gary, do you have an attachment to either GTA 5 or Red Dead Redemption 2?
2: Oh I mean I'm I'm a GTA person through and through I go all the way back to the you know the original 2D uh GTA game before you know GTA 3 kind of revolutionized it and took it into the into 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 the third dimension and you know the re- the rest is history but I mean GTA 5 in particular I mean those numbers obviously are are insane i mean is a legitimate you know pop culture phenomenon and i think deservedly so it is a fantastic game i just went back when the when the most recent uh next gen versions came out the series x and ps5 versions came out which really was just like a little, a little bit of a remaster it didn't reinvent anything but like it'd been a long time since i hadn't played it since the 360 version and i went back and it just reminds me of like what a just what an exquisitely crafted game that is the characters are so much fun the story is so much fun and i talk about this all the time my favorite games i think of not in terms of like a, a game that i play but a place that i go like you you go and you you immerse yourself in another world and the, the, like, there were times over the years of whether it be anything from like the, the the 360 version or the pc version that i played for a while and now that i be working my way through the campaign again on the series x you can just stand on like on a street corner in, in los santos and just like marvel at like what a, what a lived in world this feels like and i love i mean i some of my longest and most fun play sessions with gta 5 i wasn't even doing story or side quests i would just do yoga or go play golf or just you know gonna <laughs> hang out at the park and watch the sunset at the beach and it was just it's just a beautiful beautiful uh world to spend time in and just and just so much fun and i even got sucked into the kind of the no pixel role-playing yes. online service for a while which i by the way i think that is the future of gta online, online. if rockstar can embrace what some of the third-party mods and, and online role-playing uh, servers have demonstrated is possible uh in los santos i think that that could be the future of, of gta um online i love the original red dead redemption along with mass effect 2 it was probably it was my favorite game on the 360 i was so so excited about red dead redemption 2 i, I paid 100 bucks for like the mega platinum bullshit version because I, I was so convinced that it was going to be like my next big obsession and i just could not get into it i tried so hard i found it to be just so slow and inaccessible and i know i'm in the minority here but i also i'm not the only person who feels this way i found a lot of people like oh yeah me too like love the first red dead redemption love gta we just could not get into rdr2 like there's something about it just yeah. kind of feels like everyone's kind of trudging through molasses like there's just a slow sense of and i think that was a deliberate choice on, on rockstar's part they wanted to do something that kind of felt more deliberate and and slow paced it just i just i could not get into it and it killed me because again it's such a luxurious beautiful lived in world like you want to live in that world right it's just absolutely stunning I just but the but the pace and the, just the the general kind of like everything was they made everything so hard to do it just i found it almost like a like more like a like a simulator than a than the kind of the action game that I wanted to play i just I just found it really really frustrating and it pushed back at me too much and eventually I gave up on it but you know knowing knowing what was possible with with r d r two and just the level of fidelity that they took that world to that's one of the reasons why gTA six is like by far my most anticipated game I
3: feel bad for having to cut people off but we are running out of time um but yeah I'm, i'm really excited for both i think gta 6 will be another great uh release for their franchise and um if they do more red dead redemption i would be happy with that as well both of these worlds are just really cool and they're able to create so much within these universes so i'm very excited to see what they do next um Now, as we wrap up, we like to do this thing where we go around the table and uh, showcase where people can find you so they can go and hang out with you after the podcast. So Paris, where can people find you?
1: You can find me over at Gamertag Radio. You can also find me over at Kind of Funny as a co-host on the Xcast. And your Twitter. Oh, and my Twitter. Oh, wait, I didn't know we were talking Twitter these days. Um, yeah, yeah, Twitter, uh, at, at Vicious696, um, I'm officially unofficial, official, not official, verified. Yeah, Paris was on right one right of those out. people that
2: was official for like 15 minutes. It's amazing <laughs> to see.
3: Put it on your resume. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was there and it's gone like a puff of smoke.
3: Yeah, well, uh, Gary, where can people find you?
2: uh twitter twitch and youtube it's easy to find me it's just my name g-a-r-y-w-h-i-t-t-a uh twitter is where i'm most active at least for now i guess we'll see how that continues to, to play out you kind know, of day-to-day <laughs> yeah. experience uh at this point uh but if i'm going to promote anything i'd love to prom- my, promote my uh podcast gundog g-u-n-d-o-g i type that into your favorite podcast provider currently doing very very well in the podcast charts number three um in the us on apple Podcasts in science fiction number seven in overall fiction on apple podcasts we're doing well all over the world it's a really really fun audio drama uh shannon woodward um, from westworld troy baker from the last of us uh incredible talent beautiful music by austin Wintry, a lot of kind of game industry connections i called in a lot of favors from my game industry friends to help me make this uh podcast and it's available now wherever you get your podcast that's gundog
3: awesome and mr dustin
0: yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Dustin Legary YouTube the Dustin channel, order cookies at Legary Bakery, and uh, Gary. I don't know if we've done a show together before, but uh, I was a big fan of Book of Eli when it came out. Oh it well, was, thank you. It was it was great to find out that you were into video games also, and get to do this. Yeah, show long with you.
2: before I was. I mean, that was my first career. I mean, I go back to nineteen eighty eight working on Commodore sixty four and Amiga magazines and then pc gamer oh. brought me to america and that's really I, mean, I that that was kind of my first career before i got into screenwriting and it continues to be you know my 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 hobby I'm, I'm an xbox preferred play it's my play it's my preferred platform but i have the ps5 the switch the the pc all i got a play date like i'm still I, i've been i'm a lifelong gamer i'm never going to stop
3: well, well you're welcome back here anytime and i mean you. unless ryan says otherwise but i'm gonna fight for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well. Dustin, Paris, Gary, thank you so much for joining us today for episode 569 of Podcast Unlocked, and we will see you all next week.
2: External camera 16. External camera 15. Camera 10. God damn it.
1: They're here.